Another setback in Provo on BYUSN. What are the consequences for BYU basketball after a disappointing loss last night? And Super Bowl champion Matt Bushman is in studio. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Friday, February 17th. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We are here to talk you through a very, very tough show. We've been experiencing group therapy all too often. So, Jerem, let's turn the page to something positive on today's let's show. Let's just start baseball season with your jersey there. Let's go. It's let's starting just, today. It's uh, opening day. Let's go. On today's show, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark on the Big 12 versus Pac-12, what he told a podcast. Matt Bushman on breaking his collarbone in September to rejoining the team in December for the playoff run and then winning a Super Bowl. Incredible. Lauren Gustin is on a very short list after she toppled a couple of things last night at Santa Clara in a win. And our BYU All-Stars. But first, today's headlines. BYU men's basketball loses at home to Santa Clara 81-74. The Cougars trailed by as many as 20 in the second half. They were down 17 at halftime, allowed the Broncos to shoot 54% from the three-point line. This is the first loss for BYU at home to Santa Clara, dating back to 1972. The Cougars have lost three in a row. They're in seventh place in the West Coast Conference. We're talking about 50 years. Uh, Kresmir Chosic, why did you lose to Santa Clara? That's a question I have. Women's, they also beat Santa Clara, they split. Women's hoops rallied with a 33-point fourth quarter to beat Santa Clara 78-72, thanks to a career-high tying 30 points and 16 rebounds by Lauren Gustin, who's now one of two players in program history with Tina Gunn Robinson, to have 1,000 points and rebounds. Also, Gustin tied with their mom, Scarlett Overly, for 31st in scoring in BYU history, and now a mere rebound away from the West Coast Conference single season record. Big game uh, for the Cougars coming up uh, on Saturday as well. Needless to say, an all-time season for Lauren Unbelievable. Dustin. She's great. Women's sports flexing on multiple fronts, including BYU softball beating 22nd-ranked Arizona State 10-5 at the Littlewood Classic in Tempe, Arizona. Big win. The Cougars now 3-2, doubleheader today. They will take on Portland State at 2 Eastern and then face Oregon State at 4.30 Eastern. Baseball opens the season tonight with a four-game series at Louisiana Tech. Shout-out to Gary Croton, Bronco Mendenhall from the year 2003 or something when they were there. At 7 Eastern on the BYU Radio app, Shep is in the Bayou State. It's the first-ever meeting between the two schools. Eighth-ranked BYU men's volleyball, 8-2 on the season. Huge test tonight. They'll take on UCLA, second-ranked team in the country in the MPSF conference opener. Tonight's game, 10 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow at 8 Eastern. Good luck to the Cougars against the Bruins. It's a federation, um, so it's the federation. And it sounds like Star Trek to me. Every time I'm like, what is this, Star Trek? Federation Championship. Federation. (laughs) Men's golf leads at the John Burns Invitational, thanks to Keanu Aquina shooting a nine under opening round for third place. David Timmons, one shot behind it, eight under for fourth place. Good luck uh, to the boys, round three. BYU Gymnastics still on their push to secure a regional spot. They'll take on Boise State tonight in the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference dual meet, nine Eastern, streaming live on the Mountain West Sports Network. And Ashley Hatch subbed in the 61st minute for the USA Women's National Soccer Team in a 2-0 win over Canada in the She Believes Cup. They face Japan on Sunday. 
BYU Track and Field competing in the 2023 MPSF Indoor Track and Field Championships in Spokane, Washington. It begins today, 1 p.m. Eastern, so right as we get off the air and continues tomorrow also with a start time of 1 p.m. Eastern. And for a third MPSF mention, it's day three of the MPSF Championships for swim and dive. <laughs> BYU will join what's called the Big 12 next season and everything but men's fall. What is this Big 12 you speak of, Jaron? So there's not 12 teams, but it's real big. <laughs> Meaning the check that BYU gets in team money. Is it a federation, though? It's not a federation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Three ball on high. Yes! <laughs> Come on. That's team offense. Yeah. There's only one answer, and that is just how you respond. And I expect that they'll come with incredible fight and, and have an absolutely terrific performance on Saturday. BYU just trying to clear a bar and snap a three-game losing streak to not finish in the Thursday scenario of the West Coast Conference Tournament, meaning 7th through 10th place. Right now, BYU 6-8. and eight. What's amazing, Jeremy? I'm just saying how long I can stare at the camera. <laughs> the fourth place team in conference is LMU. Yeah. They're seven and seven. Mm -hmm. The fourth place team has seven losses. BYU has yeah. eight. It's been a bloodbath three through. Oh my goodness. Seven, eight right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, now BYU is in serious trouble and yeah. are, are likely headed for a Thursday game for the first time ever in the West Coast Conference postseason tournament. We hope not. And it stings extra because this is the last time BYU will play in the WCC before they Wait, make what? the jump to the Big 12. I thought we were going to the MPSF. Like, this is not an ideal scenario. Why did we mention the MPSF As BYU jumps to a Power 5 league and the best basketball league in America. Yeah. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of the consequences. What are the consequences of BYU's loss last night at home yeah. to Santa Clara? So six seed or seven seed feels like a possibility. BYU had a chance at like as high as what three or four if they yeah. had one out. Yep. Um, so yeah, you could play on Thursday for the first time. Seven through ten seeds jump in there. We'll be there regardless. So whenever BYU plays, we'll we'll be at the tournament covering yep. games until at least Tuesday. I'm concerned BYU might not make the NIT now. That's kind of been the end game for BYU this season is at least make the NIT. I am concerned about that because you just lost at home in Santa Clara. If you lose in Moraga. You have to beat San Francisco and probably win two games in Vegas just to get to 19, and even then I'm not sure that's enough. BYU gets to 20, it feels like, hey, you got a real solid chance at getting into the NIT. And then there is real concern for me that there's a possibility BYU goes 500 and doesn't make the NIT. Let's walk through it. At Moraga, uh, San Francisco at home, you go to Vegas, you lose that first game, you are 500, and you don't make the NIT. That would certainly be a disappointing season. Last night, BYU didn't make enough threes, uh, missed uh, a bunch of free throws. It was tough. Uh, and, yes, it's a seven-point game in the end, but uh, this game was lost in the first half. BYU. You're down was, 17 and a half. Yeah. BYU refused to walk through that door. Santa Clara was begging BYU to come back in this game. BYU didn't hit another. Like, they'd get it down to 10. They wouldn't hit that three to mm. get it to seven and induce a timeout from Santa Clara, right? Yeah. So there's some real concern, Spence, that this, this season is – what we were hoping it wouldn't be, which is a non-NIT kind of season. This team's shown us some real nice stuff, but consistently haven't uh, uh, been as good as we were hoping. Now, they have been at home. Last night was a real anomaly. BYU was 11-3, beating teams by 10 points at home. And then they're just getting destroyed. I am, I am concerned there are a few cracks in the dam that Flexio won't cover up 
not getting paid by them, but I could be, um, that are going to be tough to seal up uh, the next couple of weeks because we're at the very end here. Like, you're supposed to be, like you said on the post game, I'm concerned this is happening on February 16th. It's late. That's in the, the season. concern. It's late. That's a maybe December or January thing. It's February. You got to be playing good ball now. Yeah, I, I wonder what BYU can do emotionally at this point. You only have so they much left in the tank. Tried to summon, right? And to their credit, after tough losses, they have typically showed up and played hard. And and you don't have to go back that far to see the most recent example. BYU lost just. Terrible game against last place Pepperdine. And we all thought, oh, man, what team's going to get smashed in Spokane? Spokane. Are they going to lose by 40? They played really well in Spokane. They're up with four minutes to go in the game in Spokane. So it's like, oh, okay. This does have some grit. Do they have enough to respond again? I worry that there are just too many cracks in their emotional um, tank. I, I feel like this, they have the skills to compete with anybody and beat anybody in the league. And maybe that's what's disappointing, is that they're not. But they have also shown us that they can lose to anybody in the league as well. Like, and that is a, is a very difficult line to walk. So what team's going to show up in Moraga? I think we'll learn, okay, what, what BYU actually does have left when we see how they perform against St. Mary's. As far as consequences go, BYU is likely going to finish with a losing record in conference for the first time ever in West Coast Conference play. They're probably going to finish 7-9. and nine. They can't that, have a tough. winning record. No, there's no way to have a win. The They're best they can do is 500 in the league. Yeah, that's tough. And that would require winning in Moraga and then beating a San Francisco team. That's a bad matchup for BYU on the guard line. So 7-9 and nine feels like BYU's realistic best option for West Coast Conference play right now, which is probably a sixth-place finish, maybe seventh place. I hope for their sake they get a buy into at least Friday. But, Jerem, a, a Thursday game is a real possibility, and a losing record in West Coast Conference play is the most likely outcome. Yeah, this, this stinks, man. It stinks. Come on. Go and compete against St. Mary's. Just pull off a number. Topic two. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark joined John Canzano and John Wilner on the Canzano and Wilner podcast this week, gave some insight into a couple of topics. First, Yormark was asked about the decision for the Big 12 to open media rights, get a deal done early, why they did this, and did it cost them money? As you're reading now, you know, the media landscape's changing. The, the, the big media companies are really more focused on what they need versus what they want. I think we're reading about that every day. It's a changing landscape. And not that I had any foresight uh, into it, but obviously uh, with our partners Endeavor, um, we, we, we strategized and we, we looked at the landscape. We looked at who was gonna be in the market at the same time. I mean, uh, when I was in Phoenix, you, you know, everyone was there talking to the media partners. I mean, think about, UFC being out there right now, the NBA, CFP, WWE, it, it, it's a, it's a, you know, crowded space right now. And by gr- going early, I was able to gain the attention of arguably two of the biggest media brands in the world. And they saw our vision. Uh, they realized where we were going. They, they liked it. and They doubled down on us. So um, for all the right reasons, we went early. And, and I think that decision today is looking even better and better. Indeed it is, Spencer. How can you argue with that? Because um, what the Pac-12 is trying to do right now is not, uh, they don't have a ton of leverage. In the what what leverage the do they have? 
And, and I almost wonder if ESPN and Fox were kind of like, we're not going to go with both of you. We're probably going to go with one of you. And then, um, you know, they had talks in the fall. First right of uh, refusal, right? The opening uh, negotiations there. It it didn't happen. They didn't they didn't get a deal done. Remember, this this isn't a deal for right now for the Big 12. This is a deal for 25 when Texas and Oklahoma leave. Brett Yormark has proven that his aggression has led to good things so far, and we'll see what that means in expansion, perhaps. It feels like he's waiting for Oregon and Washington to want to leave, perhaps, and then as opposed to I go and make a move, but his move is we are open for business, which has been the famous phrase here. Let's talk. Let's have a discussion about it, and that's the right approach. $31.66 million per school in the New Deal, which, by the way, is more money per school than the Big 12 was getting with Texas and Oklahoma in the conference. And that deal had been done, uh, like, a long time ago. Sure, so, but still, so I remember having changed. a conversation yeah. with you on this show. And that's TV show. money only. Sure, I remember having conversations with you on the show saying, Heck, if they get $20 million per school without Texas and Oklahoma, it's a win for BYU. They got way more. They got that was awesome. $31.6. And if you missed it earlier in the week, we learned from Dennis Dodd, who was the first to report it, with NCAA tournament revenue and bowl game revenue and everything else that goes into the conference, they think it will be close to $50 million per school without Texas and Oklahoma in the conference. Yeah, it's and that huge, number had been reported a while ago. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Huge win. Huge win for Brett Yormark here because he did have leverage and by, by going early and used it yeah. to get what he wanted. Yeah. So the early play is, is paying off literally in so many ways for the Big 12. And, you know, I, I know that we kind of poke fun at the Pac-12 and it's, it's kind of a sad situation. Like, it's tough that it has come to this. And we're learning that streaming services, uh, notably Amazon – is saying, well, we have all the leverage now, so you're going to have to meet our terms, Pac-12, uh, if you want us to stream. We're paying a billion for season one of Rings of Power, so... Like, the, the Pac-12 is in a really, really tough spot right now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, man, this is just for, the new age of college... Sports reporting, yes, that Amazon uh, playing hardball with Pac-12 because they... They can. They can. Because the Pac-12 has little to no leverage. How about this? Brett Yormark was asked that the Big 12 was targeting Pac-12 schools because the Conference of Champions is in such a tough spot. These are Pac-12 reporters, by the way. Yeah, Yeah. this is what he said. I'm not existing. I'm not targeting anyone specifically. You know, I said, and I've been saying it, I've been pretty transparent and intentional that we'd like that fourth time zone to create more value for our our media partners. You know, we're, we're entering a third time zone, obviously, with our expansion that becomes official uh, in July with, you know, the four great new schools coming into our conference. But would I like to be a national conference in all the different time zones and ge- from a geography standpoint, have our Big 12 flag all over the country? A hundred percent. And we'll see where it, where it ends up. Obviously, it's a fluid process. There's a lot uh, at stake out there. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where we end up. But it is certainly something I think about daily. Um, and it's been part of my vision since I've been here, and, I, and, and I've been very public about it. Again, open for business. He's not targeting any schools per se, but he certainly is saying, if you are interested in joining our conference and things get bad enough for you, yeah, we clearly want to be in that Pacific time zone. And 
and have something that no other conference in America has, and that is games in every single time zone across the continental Like a games. better version of the 16-team whack. Yeah, right? way, way like, better version. Where it was like, no, there are actually some power players in this. And TCU really sort of softened that up quite a bit uh, last year because it's like, we didn't need Texas and Oklahoma to be the team in the playoff. We had somebody else. Like one of the uh, other wave of expansion candidates from 2012, right, sure. in TCU. Frankly, Baylor and Oklahoma State the year before that were better than Texas and Oklahoma. Both were in the New Year's Six the year before. Um, yeah, and obviously Texas and Oklahoma, you take them for a year, and, and uh, you pocket the 100 mil after that. BYU maybe will get a little bit of that. I, I imagine the original other eight get most of that, right? But it, it's important for your mark to sit there because it's like, okay, Oregon and Washington, if the Big Ten don't want you, clearly that's where they probably would want to go, you think, um, is we're right here. Hi. 31.6 um, million a year. And, and is it SEC Big Ten money? No, it's not. But are we all, everybody, the other three competing for third place here? Yeah. The Pac-12 isn't competing for third place. They're competing to exist as currently constituted. And we'll see what that looks like. Um, who would be who would be the Pacific Time Zone team you'd pick up or teams? Um, you know, some people talking about the Four Corners. I know Jeff Hansen not a fan of that particular nickname, but Arizona, Arizona State are four. They are Pacific six months out of the year. Sure. I don't know if they count like we've joked. We'll see what that looks like. But the Mountain Time Zone is the BYU edition there, which is kind of exciting. BYU has put this league into that space, and um, of course UCF. And Cincinnati added to West Virginia being in the Eastern time zone. So now you have three schools over there. Now you have a Big 12 Saturday yeah. scenario. Yes. Where you boom, boom, a, boom. You have a noon Eastern, a 3.30 Eastern. A 7 and a 10.30. And a 10.30 Eastern. You and, have Big 12 football And we are day. probably the 10.30 Eastern until Great. there's a bunch Whatever. more. Pacific it must be always playing in somewhere in the Central or Eastern time zone and they're in an earlier game on the road. Great. But if it's a home game, BYU's probably the late game. Big 12 after dark. Are we going to move to speaking in central time on this station? Because it's my, we are not. <laughs> but it's a thought I have. <laughs> Our question of the day. Y'all. Has nothing to do with what we just discussed between the Big 12 and Pac-12. It has more to do with the all-star weekend for the NBA that is in the state of Utah. Yeah. Hosted Excited. by the Utah Jazz, who are owned by BYU alumnus Ryan Smith. Say, so with that in mind, who would you pick to be in your all-time BYU basketball Three-point competition and dunk contest. Mm. Some fun names are being brought up. I thought I remembered everyone and kind of went pondered everything that would have made sense. No, you've, you've yeah. opened my eyes here in some of these responses. Eric Seat on Twitter says, I'll take Cosmo on my dunk team and Chase Fisher on my three-point squad. That's, that's pretty good. Pretty okay. good. I like that. You can take as many as you want. Send in your teams for the dunk contest and the three-point competition using the hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, if you miss any of our BYU TV interviews, uh, BYUSN episodes, other shows, games, D-Blues, you can go to BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app to get all of those on demand. We have a Super Bowl champion hey. in studio next. Matt Bushman, straight out of Kansas City after the parade, joins us. This is BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our first guest of the day probably has more Super Bowl rings than you and me and Jerem. Unless Steve Young's watching. And all of us combined. He is Matt Bushman of the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey! 
Welcome How to Studio doing? B, Matt. Congratulations. Hello, Thank you. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Hey, wild ride for you. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, we learned a little bit more about it from your father-in-law, Chad Lewis, mm -hmm. as he talked about your rejoining of the Kansas City Chiefs and, and what that meant for you and your wife, Emily. And now, all of a sudden, you have a Super Bowl ring as a member of the practice squad. What's the last month and a half been like for you? Yeah, it's been wild. I mean, when I was on the injury settlement back here in Utah, my agents were like, shoot, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to sign you back. It's not very common to get signed back this late in the year. So I was like, man, if they win the Super Bowl, I'm going to be, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> um, but luckily, things just kind of escalated. They called, they called me one day and said, hey, we have a flight for you to come back to Kansas City and hopped on the flight and joined the team. So I'm uh, yeah, super grateful I could rejoin and have a job again and win a Super Bowl. So it would have been enough just to be back on the Chiefs, right? Um, but obviously the Chiefs are awesome. Andy's awesome, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelly, everybody's awesome. So you guys end up going through this playoff run. Meanwhile, you're kind of on standby, right? Like if there's an injury or something, like you could you could dress and be available. So you are you got, got to stay in shape, you got to know the plays and so on. What was that process like of being ready just in case? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, since I did training camp, you go through every play, every scenario. So I had known the playbook. So when I got back, the coaches knew that I had that experience. So, yeah, I was one of the guys that was, shoot, if something happens, you have to be ready. Um, Travis, the like two days before the AFC Championship, had a little scare where you had a little back injury. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this, is this going to happen? But he was going to play no matter what. We all kind of knew that. Um, but, yeah, you just kind of have to have a mindset like, I can't coast through the postseason and just kind of hang out. I have, to, I have to study the playbook. I have to know the game plan because if something happens, it can be up to an hour before the game. They can say. It's that late? Yeah. Wow. So, so are you like warming up and stretching as if you might play just in case? Usually in that situation, you'll kind of have a heads up. Like mm. somebody's banged up, be ready. Um, sometimes you just kind of are in the locker room hanging out. Uh, but yeah, if it was something like that, I would have been... You could expedite that? Yeah, I'd be working out, trying to stay warm, knowing what was going to happen. What's the typical relationship like for a practice player with the active roster on game day, and especially through the playoffs and late in the playoffs? Like, where are you? What's your role? How close are you with the team? Walk us through all of that, if you don't mind. Um, I mean, in my point of view, I'd say it's pretty f fluid with the active roster and practice squad. We're all in the locker room together. All in meetings, every, every meeting, every single day, you're, you're in the room with them. So I would like to think that I'm still part of, the, you know, part of the almost equal to the active roster. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I have good relationships with those, all those guys because, yeah, you're, you're battling with them, going, going to practice with them, trying to give them a good look. So I was trying to be Dallas Goddard, try and get the defense prepared, you know have them ready for whatever could happen come game day. And yeah, so I would say the biggest thing is just the pay scale. Other than that, you're doing pretty much everything. What was Super Bowl uh, game day like for you? Where are you? What are you doing? I, you know, I went to a little sacrament meeting Sunday morning with some of the BYU guys. We had some family members that were all in town, so that was cool. Um, and then you just have a little bit of time off. You bus over to the stadium super early. So I was just like, I'm going to get there on the early bus, kind of soak in the whole, the whole atmosphere. So I was just sitting on one of the benches, throwing a ball around, uh, just enjoying it. And then 
when the game actually started, we were just on the sideline trying to trying to bring positive energy and get the guys show the guys some support while they're while they're playing. There's no other school uh, in the country that would have had what you just said, which is the sacrament meeting in the morning. Yeah, it's That's true. That's pretty cool, it's man. It's pretty unique. Yeah. There's always like a the night before like a little a Catholic mass or a little mm -hmm. a pastor that will come come speak to us, but yeah, definitely like a non-denominational kind yeah. of Christian yeah. thing. Yeah, like the team chaplain or something gotcha. like that. But very unique awesome. to have BYU, so a good amount of BYU guys there to have a little sacrament meeting. Hey, like Zane, of course, and Andy are BYU connected. Is there someone else? Uh, Porter Ellett, maybe? Porter Ellett is there. And uh, Alex Whittingham. Oh, yeah. Kyle Whittingham's son. Gotcha. He what, is, a, what does he do with? He has a similar role as Porter. Gotcha. He's like a assistant coach yeah. type thing. Very cool. That's Matt awesome. Bushman is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're talking Super Bowl conversation and Super Bowl Sunday. When the game is happening, where are you? Are you are you in a seat? Are you on the sideline? Walk walk us through what you, you're seeing during the actual game. I'm just walking back and forth on the sideline, trying to get a trying to get a good view, trying to hear the play when the offense is on the on the field. So stand next to the quarterbacks or the tight ends coach or some of the backup quarterbacks that have a little earpiece to hear the play. Um, and yeah, just try to rally rally the forces when things are going well or not so well. Sure. Remind me, did you play a game in that stadium? Because I'm thinking about your BYU timeline. I know the Cougars played in that stadium, but you might have been you on your mission. I was on my mission. Because 2018 time. was actually in Tucson, hometown yep. for you, which is yep. cool. But not 2016, Kalani's first game. You were on your mission. Yeah, yeah. So that you was missed a, that stadium, I guess. Right? Missed that stadium. Did you ever play in it growing up? I did never you score anything. I we never made it to the state championships. I never played in it. It's going to be all right. You just won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> um, at, at halftime, are you in the locker room the whole time, or do you get to watch the Rihanna halftime show? No, couldn't watch the Rihanna halftime show. A lot of guys were like, we're not playing. Let's go watch. But <laughs> It's so long, right? Yeah, like you're in there for like half an hour. Yeah, but Coach Reed, I'm, maybe some of you guys saw what uh, Mahomes was saying, but Coach Reed was like, if any of you guys are watching the halftime show, just keep on walking because you're not you're not coming back here. He wasn't about it. Yeah. Okay. He was a lot more focused on actually winning. Yes. Instead of and enjoying. at the time, there's some real concern there. And and kind of walk us through the vibe on the sideline in the locker room of, hey gosh, we gotta we gotta do something different. And certainly the Chiefs did in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I think ev everyone saw the Eagles were playing so well in the first half, and they were keeping our offense off the field, so we couldn't really work our magic and do a lot of things. So. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little tense going into halftime, but our leaders spoke up. Um, Pat Mahomes, Travis, they were all saying that we need to lock it in and, and play a lot better. So, yeah, that happened second half, and they, they were definitely the, the leaders that did that. Did you lift the Lombardi trophy at any point? I did, yeah, and the locker room got to hold it on the airplane back to Kansas City. Got to, got to take a couple pictures, so... Yeah, that was surreal and, and just awesome to, to actually be able to, to hold that trophy. How heavy is it? Um, not as heavy as you would think, like a, something that big and solid, but it's still, still dense and it's got, <laughs> it's got its, its power with it. Travis Kelsey is one of the best tight ends ever. He might be the best ever. Mm -hmm. you know, there's some who think that. What's he like? Um, it, because he seems like he's a super fun dude, but also obviously super competitive. Yeah, he's kind of that... He's a great mentor to all of us younger guys. He doesn't show like, oh, you're trying to take my spot. Like he's established a spot and it's never gonna get taken. 
Um, so he's super cool in teaching every, all of his, the ins and outs of what he's thinking. Um, he's definitely like the class clown where his tight ends coach has been with Coach Reed for like 20 years, but Travis has been with them for 10 years. So it's like, you can only give him so many coaching points and when he's the best tight end of the league, it's like, so in, in meetings, he's just the, the jokester kind of making fun of himself if he messes up or, yeah, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't get many coaching points. It's mainly directed to us younger guys that are uh, trying to be at his level. So it's definitely funny having him in, in meetings where he's just no stress, <laughs> making fun of everything. It's, it's funny. Super Bowl champion Matt Bushman is on BYU Sports Nation. Where do you sit on the depth chart right now with the Chiefs, and how do you see your role evolving into the next season? Yeah, so I signed a futures deal. We had a little exit interviews, physicals on Tuesday, and then they gave me the futures deal. So that just signs my rights to the Chiefs in the offseason for OTAs and training camp. So the depth chart's always fluid at this time and can change. So we'll see how, how I'm looking during OTAs and if they draft anyone or if they keep, if they re-sign everyone, all that can change and it's unknown at this time. So I'll just prepare and, you know, try to be a guy next year. Because it was crazy because you had this, uh, maybe the craziest day of your life where you score two touchdowns and then you break your collarbone in such a way that you're out for a long time, like 12 weeks we were talking before the interview. That was wild. And then you get back, they sign you, which isn't common like you talked about, and then the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. What was the range of emotions you had this season with the Chiefs? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, training camp and like the preseason games are probably the hardest part of the season just because you're practicing every day. Um, and it's stressful. People are getting cut left and right. You don't know what's going to happen. So to be able to finish the preseason, I had a banged up knee at the time too, and I was kind of fighting through that injury. So to be able to finish the preseason like that and to get some opportunities, some balls thrown my way and to score, I was just loving it. Like, man, this is, this is going to be awesome. I was just like, Heavenly Father, whatever happens, let it happen. Like, I don't know. At that point, my still is my NFL career is pretty unknown so it's just like I'm gonna trust your plan and maybe I'll maybe I'll be in the league maybe I'll, maybe I'll be out so to score those touchdowns it's pretty uh it's pretty valuable to have the other teams be able to see that you can score in the NFL or you know catch the ball it's kind of silly but that adds a lot of weight going into the actual season so yeah I was like okay if I'm not with this team maybe another team will scoop me up and then got hurt and then that kind of all just, they see how long of a injury settlement, 12 weeks, that's most of the season. No team really knows if they want to sign you back, especially to the active roster for being out that long. So yeah, then the, you're just like, man, am I even going to be in the NFL for the rest of this season or if they're going to sign me back? I did a little tryout a week, a few days before signing back with the Chiefs, did a tryout for the Browns, just flew out there in less than 24 hours. Did good, but they didn't sign me. And then that next, that was on a Friday. Then that next Monday, the Chiefs called. So what a wild yeah. ride! Yeah, it's uh, you a lot. You still of, love me? Yeah, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be in Cleveland for the postseason because they weren't they weren't projected to right. Sure. Make the playoffs. So I was like, man, it'd be sweet to go to a playoff team. Oh, if you're hitching your wagon to any team, it would have been Kansas City yeah. for sure. Yeah. Given the experience, given the success, for sure. Given Andy, given Zane, given yeah. all these guys. So right? just knowing yeah. that they were gonna have a deep playoff run, I was like, man, I'd love to. Go sign back there. Does the practice squad get the playoff bonus too? You just get the, uh, the practice squad check. So, <laughs> unfortunately, next you don't year. Get that. Next year. 
you just get the experience. Just get some photos with the trophy. Yep. Which is pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. What was the experience like with your family on the field after the game in the peak of the celebrations in Arizona? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, they only gave the practice squad guys one field pass, so Emily was there with me. Um, yeah, it was just so cool to see how happy everyone was, especially the guys playing, guys that have been playing 10-plus years, never had a ring. Like, they're just – that's the peak moment for them. So it was super awesome to be able to celebrate with Emily, knowing that we've had those unknowns going on throughout the year and just to celebrate the biggest win in football to be world champs. It was, it was awesome. And then to also have my family, they were able to go down to, like, the front row and take pictures with them and – celebrate with them too it was it was a lot of fun what a fun dinner conversation with chad now you can have right yeah and, and interesting experiences in that he gets hurt and doesn't get a play in the super bowl you're on the practice squad you're right there not playing but like you have an experience where yes we're on teams that are in the super bowl definitely um and and uh fortunately you win one which is pretty yeah, cool, yeah. i just need to actually play and get a ring <laughs> that's the next step right that's pretty cool have some uh bragging rights with him but like two months ago you, or whatever when, when did you sign was it like two or it three was months ago? uh like yeah right before like mid-december probably okay two months ago you're not thinking yeah i'm gonna be winning a super bowl here yeah you know just a crazy uh turn of events here yeah definitely now you had a superlative incredible byu career and you were a polished player but everybody talks about going to the nfl and going to the next level in skill set. So how are you a different player and a better player now than you were when you left BYU, which was a good level football player? Yeah, I'd say I actually play special teams. Like in college, there's sometimes I should have done it more in college just to gain the experience. Um, sometimes the coaches want some of the starting college players not to do special teams. Just, I don't know. Some coaches don't want you to play. Some do. So... I wish I would have had more of that experience going into the NFL because that's pretty much all the number three, number four tight end. That's like pretty much all you're doing is mainly special teams reps. So that was different. Um, just becoming a better blocker, football IQ, like Travis, his football IQ, being a quarterback, being with Coach Reed for 10 years. He's not just worrying about his job. He's worrying about everyone around him. If he knows he's not the first read, he'll get in front of a guy, slow down his release, and get other guys open while he's still getting wide open. So, yeah, just learning those different things so the game slows down for you. And I'm just trying to, mm. trying to do that more and more to be, a, be an option. I don't know when the Chiefs' bye week is next season, and I'm just projecting you're going to make the roster because we send good vibes here. That's okay. what we feel. We I feel this, it. yeah. And there will be a Thursday night game, which opens up a Saturday as well. So I think there will be two opportunities for you to watch BYU in the Big 12 and probably close to home because they'll be playing largely in the Midwest. Yeah. So, Matt, let, let's, let's make that happen. Let's, let's get you to happen. a BYU in the Big 12 game. Let's do it. Even Pat Mahomes was saying if, uh, if it falls on the bye week when Texas Tech plays in Provo, he's going to fly down here too. So Nice. We got to hope that happens. Let's go. Let's go. Let's hope that lines up. Well, congratulations on still having uh, some of the best hair in the league, by the way. (laughs) So good. It's still great. Good to see it, Matt. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you. It's pretty cool. Okay, BYU basketball plays another big one at number 17 St. Mary's tomorrow night. Make sure you listen to that one with coverage on BYU Radio starting at 9 Eastern time. Up next, does BYU alumnus and the owner of the Utah Jazz, Ryan Smith, 
have a better shot than Dwayne Wade? Am I seriously asking this question? There's video evidence, apparently. This is BYU Sports Nation. Sorry, what? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Chip this. Lauren Gustin now the second Cougar to reach 1,000 career points and rebounds. And needs a mere one rebound to set the West Coast Conference single season record. Is she going to be the West Coast Conference Player of the Year? She should be. I agree. Who's had a better year than Lauren Gustin? That's not a, a good top-end year in the league. Like, Alex Fowler's awesome. Portland's top two. But um, what Lauren's doing is special. If you take Lauren Gustin off of this BYU women's basketball team, they're an eighth-place team in the conference. The award isn't MVP. It is Player of the Year. So just straight up, like, who's the best player? She's the best still overall she's player the best player. in the conference. And she's top five in points, rebounds, field goals, of course. The Zags are too balanced. And Alex Fowler hasn't been as good as Gustin. There's nobody better There's than Lauren not Gustin. A big star power. I think Lauren Gustin should and will win it in about a week and a half. Good for her, man. Yeah. What, a, what a season. Oh, by the way, she's a junior. Yeah, she's coming back for one more. Very excited. That's awesome. Our next whip question requires the return of stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. I've missed this music. <laughs> Ryan Smith will be the first BYU alumnus to participate in NBA All-Star Weekend since Danny Ainge did so all the way back in 1988. Nobody since then? Nobody? Crazy. I know. It's sad. Really, it's yeah, sad. I, it's, I'm sad about that. That's a sad stat. Uh, Good for Ryan. But the music makes us feel better, right? <laughs> Ryan Smith will be competing against Dwayne Wade in tonight's celebrity game. And the two engaged in some Twitter trash talk. Listen up. This ain't water. This is sweat. All-Star Weekend in Utah is coming. Team Dwayne, I got my team getting ready, so you know I'm in the gym getting ready. Ryan, Team Ryan, y'all ain't got a chance. Be in the gym. Let's go. We're not sweating this, bro. We're in the gym, too. This place is pretty sweet. Um, Team Ryan's ready, man. We got we got everyone cooking. Uh, Ryan Smith has a nice-looking shot. Yeah. No, I've, I've seen it in person. I've it's, does, it's good. Does he have a better shooting stroke than Dwayne Wade? Listen, love Ryan. Love everything Ryan's doing. No. Um, Dwayne Wade is a Hall of Fame. Like, no. Like, listen, but Ryan, Ryan still plays pickup sometimes at BYU in the morning. Like, Ryan loves basketball, obviously, loves Brigham, too. No, right, listen, I, I dare say, though, if you put Ryan, like, like, the primary governor of any NBA team out there, Ryan's probably got the best jumper, right? It's just a bunch of... I don't know, Mark other... Cuban's got an amazing... No, I can't. No, no, no. I... Yeah, Ryan, I mean, Ryan's, Ryan's got, got a really, game. really smooth Obviously, stroke. Obviously, being younger benefits him. Dwayne Wade is a better shooter. Ryan Smith's <laughs> shooting form is right there with Wade's. Really it's really, really pretty, right? It's money a, it's money a can't pretty, buy that. Pretty shot. Money can't buy that. You got to work hard. They're both not on Tyler Haas' level, though. No. 
Well, Tyler, Tyler's got that beautiful stroke. He does have a beautiful stroke. I'm not questioning Tyler's. It's just Dwayne Wade wins any <laughs> question in this conversation as it pertains to basketball. Yes. No, no. Hard Even against hit. Tyler. Are you wait? Are you sure, Jerem? Are you sure an NBA Hall of Famer, pro basketball legend? Enough. <laughs> Up next, which players make our? BYU Cougar All-Star three-point and dunk teams. Who are we rolling out there for a fun competition? I wonder if Jimmer will make it. This is BYU Sports Nation. Yoli on that list? This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. I told them it's all in the wrist. They want me to miss, but that's a wish. If I don't take the shot, it's an assist, but either way, go, boy, that's a switch, switch. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. It is All-Star Weekend in Utah, the home of the Utah Jazz. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Got us thinking today, all right, if we were hosting a three-point competition and a dunk contest Couldn't that we featured... Do this well, you could, but you couldn't, couldn't exactly do it with the personnel that we're about to present because some of them are past their prime. So we've gone all time. With the dunk part. Okay, we've gone. Yes. Not the threes part. They can still, yeah, I can still do that. Yeah, yeah. We've gone all time. Like, who would you put in your three point competition and who would you put in your dunk contest? And we've limited it to three participants this in, is in each of the categories. This is in the current year, right? Yes. Because if the year is 1951, Mel Hutchins is my dunk guy. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, okay, which one are we going first? Dunk or threes? Let's go three-point competition. Okay, three-point. that first. Three-point, I'm going mostly modern dudes. I know I'm going to hear from uh, okay. some of the uh, elder statesmen All here. Right. I go, in no particular order, uh, Alex Barcella, the number one three-point percent. Best shooter in the Chase. country, according to Jay Billis. Chase, Chase Fisher, and then uh, James Taffordet. See, I went, I went a little off the board here. Um, Matt Carlino, really? Well, not, I shouldn't say off the board. Just like, kidding. I... I tried to spread the wealth across multiple generations, and just because look, of look at you. the star power. But Danny Ainge is going to be in my three-point competition. Mm. Like I'm, he, it's Danny Ainge. Got to throw him in there. Are we doing? Um, okay, tell me. You're saying like 1981 version of Danny Ainge in a three-point? What are you saying? Does, 19. He, he could show right up today. now. I don't care. He can show up today. I still think Danny Ainge can shoot. Can he? I still think he can. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Whatever. I, I, I don't know. I'd st- uh, star power. Jerem, like, you tell me, like, if I had Danny Ainge even right now, like, hey, he's going to be in a three-point competition. Let's see Is how he Is it marketing does. or uh, see how he does. made shots? Huh? <laughs> does, well, it's what you want it to be. It's whatever I want it to be, right? It's what you want it yes, to be. It's in, what I want this, it to be. Yes, in this mythical okay. world. So it's Danny yeah. Ainge. I, hey, I'm going to throw to Baggins then. Jimmer Fredette. Obviously, Chase Fisher is my guy, yeah. huge personality. And yeah. then if there's an alternate, let's say one of the guys can't go. Let's say Danny's like, ah, oh, I can't do it. John Moala from the 95-96. No, no, Andy Toulson. Yeah, Andy can shoot it. Andy Toulson. Michael Smith is going to be – I'm going to hear about it from Michael Smith. I really am. Michael, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, you're my alternate. He could be your alternate. Yeah, my, hey, well, don- my, my alternate is now Donkey Kong since we're playing with whatever rules. With the dunk contest, you kind of have to go with players that were aren't – like they, in they, their prime. They had to actually dunk uh, in, their, in their time. It's okay. tough to find three that can do it now, like at a high level. Oh, from the 
Elder Statesman? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how to say the old guys without saying <laughs> the old guys. Okay, here are my three. Uh, Mike Hall, mm -hmm. the 04 Air Force dunk is just all-timer. All-timer, yeah. Trent Playstead is in there. Like, he is the greatest big man dunker in BYU history. Yep. And I go Travis Hansen. Elder out, mm. eight mile, he's got to have the bleach hair. I want the tattoo back on his leg that he had taken off for this dunk contest. Boom. Only one difference uh, in my trio of dunkers. I, I have Mike Hall and Trent placed it as well. I went with Yoli Childs. Yeah, Yoli's a great one. Okay. Yo Yoli, I feel like he, he, he's gotten better. Like, he's playing oh, yeah. in Europe. Oh, he's dunking on fools. Josh Sharp would be an intriguing one here. Josh Sharp didn't uh, really show us everything he had in that regard, but he was an unbelievable leaper. Josh Sharp. You know who weirdly had, like, crazy hops when he first got to BYU? Mike Rose. Mike Rose, like, had uh, Kalani's Taki-like calves there. Mike Rose was doing 360 dunks at the Midnight Madness in 2004, and I was like, who is this redheaded kid that's <laughs> jumping out of the gym? And then he has, like, nine threes in the game in his, like, first home game, and then, like, in his last home game. It was like, that was, Mike Rose had a really Incredible. punctuated bookend career there. Oh, fun contest. Yeah. Yeah, fun, fun conversation. Roland Minson in the three-point contest. Let's go. Roll now that's Roland mentioned basketball. Yeah. One of the greatest <laughs> phrases uttered ever by Bill Walton. <laughs> this BYU offense reminds me of I was sitting Southern Utah wave after wave of red rock beauty. I was sitting right next to him when that happened. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, this is amazing what he said. That's Lee Kamard basketball. Please, that's Jimmer for that basketball. Please. <laughs> Legends. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, our question of the day: Who would you put in your all-time BYU basketball All-Star three-point and dunk competitions? At Kramer Holly on Twitter says three-point competition: Jimmer Fredette, Alex Barcelo, Tyler Hawes, mm -hmm. and TJ Hawes. Love it. Brother connection. Alternates. <laughs> we got we got like five, four alternates. Jonathan Tavernari, Jake Toulson, Andy Toulson, and Devin Durant. So Hawes, Toulson's, uh, Durant's. Mm -hmm. Eh, Mark Legacies. didn't get mentioned there. Yeah. In the dunk competition, Kramer Holly also says Mike Hall, Travis Hansen, Trent. Those Pearson, are my three. Healthy Gavin Baxter. That, that one's interesting. He could certainly jump out of the gym. Oh, when he when he was like in his prime, healthy. Yeah. And like, unfortunately, that was. Oh my goodness. Too young. Not and not often enough, right? Yeah. Uh, alternates: Eric Mika, Caleb Loner, Yoli Childs, and Trey Stewart. Trey Stewart had a nice game last night, by the way. Nine points. All effort. Career high. At this point, why not, Jerem? Oh, yeah. It was a, that was a why not. Why thing. not? Yeah. And he performed. I think Which he's earned more minutes. Absolute desperation when you say why not. He's, he's earned more minutes. Yeah. Give them to him. See what happens. Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX <laughs> Healthcare Elevated. All right. This comes from Jonathan Tavernari. JT himself. You usually get eight players to compete in the three-point competition, so I'm going with he says, T.J. Haas, Jimmer Fredette, Alex Barcelo, Jake Toulson, Mike Smith, Danny Ainge, Andy Toulson, Chase Fisher. And then he says, I'm not going to name myself because let's be honest. And then he's got Rihanna putting on a crown. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, that's, that's uh, the confidence you got you to gotta have going into something like that. Okay, BYU Baseball season opener is tonight on BYU Radio. You can listen to 7 Eastern as the Cougars take on Louisiana Tech. Let's go. Uh, I'm proposing that we just call fantasy basketball already. Like, this is the end it. You win. It's over. <laughs> you, you win. It's done. You won this week. You won for the season. You might we can call for the season Hold if you on, want, man. Up. We can call for the season. You're leading. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. Can't wait to lose this lead again. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. 
official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. You demand it, we allow it. BYU Sports Nation, you can get it on the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps, and you can download and subscribe to the podcast as well, and rate it and review it. After the first night of fantasy basketball this week, I have a lead. High five. By all of one point. That's not enough. And I had my opponent going last night, and you didn't. (laughs) So let's just call it for the week, shall we? Uh, I'm being told I have to play on. Okay, fine. Whatever. 125-124. Hey, I endured this during football. I know. Whoever has the first pick is going to win in fantasy. We didn't think that in basketball because there's so many other players, right? Lauren Gustin has been so dominant. Lauren Gustin has had a spectacular season. Yeah, Yeah. she scored 49 points by her lonesome for your team last night. Yeah, points, assists, rebounds, block steals. We call it parts. So, three of my players... It, it took three of my players to equal what Lauren did by herself. Yes, it's like Dwight Schrute said. I have the strength of a man and a baby. Uh, yeah, she's incredible. She has, the strength, she has the strength of like 29 babies. All I need is um, for Aiden Mahaney to score one point. <laughs> oh, he'll do that. And he'll be and that's three, no more. two minutes. One point. Yeah. They hold him out because they want to keep him healthy oh. for uh, the Gonzaga game and for the West Coast Conference Gonzaga. tournament. St. Mary's is sitting players because they're they're in a good position. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're resting guys. They're like load load management. management. Load management. Load management. We gotta set this one out. Uh, we yeah, feel like so we can beat BYU without these three guys. I'll be happy if I'm within 30. Seriously, by the end of this weekend. Our rise and well shout done. out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We were just talking about her, Lauren Gustin. Yeah. 1,000, 1,000 club. Amazing. Amazing. Second play in BYU history. Um, one rebound shot of the WCC single season rebounding record. We gotta look up the career record now. She's an all-timer already, yeah. and she's not even a senior. Yeah, just getting started. All right, our thanks to today's guest, Matt Bushman. He's a Super Bowl champion. Sorry to Dennis Petta, Super Bowl champion. Yeah. He ran out of time. For Jeremiah and Spencer. And a shout out to another three-point shooter at BYU once upon a time, Mark Heslip. Remember that name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could he could ball from uh, beyond the arc. See you back here in Studio B on Monday. Go Cougs! Beat the Gales.